And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture from an America first perspective. Streaming live on iHeartRadio and available on demand on iTunes, TuneIn, Spreaker, and Spotify. You can follow me on Twitter at Right Now Jim Dawes. You can shoot me an email at rightnowjimdaws at gmail.com. And you can leave a voicemail at 772-245-0750 with your questions or comments that we might use on the broadcast. That number again, 772-245-0750. So we were treated to uh, yet another day of this uh, 24-hour, seven-day-a-week hate campaign uh, against Donald Trump by the Democrats and their mouthpieces in the media. One of the main themes yesterday was uh, that Trump was trying to take credit for the operation that killed uh, ISIS leader uh, el-Baghdadi. Uh, I don't know about you, but I watched the um, the broadcast on Sunday morning where the president uh, addressed the nation for over 50 minutes, and I think during that 50 minutes he probably praised um, the military, the operation, uh, and, and just uh, sung their praises from the mountaintops uh, more than I think that I've ever heard a president praise our armed forces. Uh, he's made a theme of that throughout his presidency, and he has done more to reverse the decline in the readiness of the military than uh, any president since Ronald Reagan. Uh, it was really ridiculous to watch, but, uh, they, you know, they, I don't know if they get their morning talking points from a fax machine someplace and they all just get on the same page and, and bang on that, uh, that theme all day long. But uh, this one, like so many of them, was uh, uh, completely contrary to reality. It creates this sort of cognitive dissonance among people who still have their wits about them. And, uh, <laughs> and it's just something to watch. Uh, I'm not going to play you all the clips of, uh, of these, uh, this continuing hate campaign against Trump for having the, uh, the gall to uh, you know, announce that uh, the United States had been able to kill the leader of the most violent and vile uh, terrorist organization uh, in modern times. But I do want to just give you a taste of it. And, uh, and this is a clip of uh, Joy Behar over on The View. And you always have to remember that The View is ridiculous and shrill and anti-American <clears throat> as it is, is a product of NBC News. It's not their entertainment division that produces this show. It's the entertainment division. I mean, it's the news division. And, uh, of course, the head harpy over there on The View is uh, Joy Behar, who specializes in saying uh, some of the most outrageous and uh, offensive things you can imagine, and yesterday was no exception. So can we at least agree that the world is a better place without this guy in it? Who, Trump or the Baghdadi? <laughs> <laughs> You know, Trump or the Baghdadi. 
you hardly know what to say. You got a woman that's heading a, a panel show produced by one of the major networks and their news division, wondering if the world would be a better place without Trump or Baghdadi. Which one would the world be a better place without most? You know, it hadn't been that long ago that a comment like that would have bounced you right out of the job. Uh, the, the cycle would go something like there would be a, a groveling apology issued. Uh, they would uh, beg for their job. They'd promise not to do it again, and then they would be out on their butt anyway. But not only are they not fired now, this has become uh, the, the standard operating procedure in the major news organizations. The big story yesterday was uh, the testimony before uh, Adam Schiff's star chamber at the House Intelligence Committee of a lieutenant colonel, uh, Vindeman. I can't remember his first name. Uh, He's got a a twin brother. Uh, Both of them were born in the Ukraine. Uh, Both of them are lieutenant colonels in the United States Army. And both of them work inside the White House at the National Security Council. And this guy, Vindeman, came forward to testify because apparently he actually heard the call between uh, Trump and the incoming president of the Ukraine. And uh, he was going to be a firsthand witness. This is still hearsay if you're testifying to what you heard somebody else say. That is uh, the definition of hearsay. But it at least is firsthand hearsay. So they've sort of upped their game over there. They're trafficking now in first-hand hearsay as opposed to second, third, and fourth-hand hearsay. But the odd thing about this testimony is, uh, other than the breathless uh, revelations that a uniformed military officer was defying an order from the commander-in-chief to come in and testify in Adam Schiff's star chamber, other than that, he really didn't add anything uh, to the call. Um, There were some claims uh, that were uh, widely reported that he had tried to make edits to the transcript of the call and failed. Um, But when you got down to it, the edits that he was trying to add weren't anything that uh, furthered the Democrats' impeachment effort. I think the the big story out of this is that you've got a lieutenant colonel in the United States Army defying the orders of the president, uh, the commander-in-chief, not to testify before Congress. Now, if if this lieutenant commander had believed that uh, he was duty-bound to testify, he could have done like uh, John Bolton's deputy did and asked for a uh, um, an order from the court. Uh, resolving whether or not uh, he was required to comply with the subpoena or comply with the uh, the administration's directive uh, to protect the president's privileged conversations. But he didn't do that. As a matter of fact, there's already a, a case filed, so he wouldn't even had to file the case himself. He would have just had to out, uh, wait for the outcome of that case, but he didn't do that. So you know that he wanted to testify. And he wanted to be part of this impeachment effort. And 
listing uh, or reading the uh, the opening statement that uh, Adam Schiff promptly leaked, it becomes quite clear uh, that uh, this guy is um, a big advocate of American aid to Ukraine and feels like it was somehow inappropriate for the president of the United States to uh, ask for anything in return for the millions, hundreds of millions of dollars of aid that the United States is sending to Ukraine. Now that raises the question of where did these deep state operatives, none of them elected, all of them appointed um, officials, where did they get the idea that they're allowed to substitute their judgment and their expertise for the president that was elected to do that job? This guy was very upset because, uh, you know, he got the idea that Donald Trump wanted um, the Ukrainian president to investigate the corruption in the Ukraine linked to the previous administration, including Vice President Joe Biden. He thought that that was somehow untoward. And so he marched his, uh, his butt in full dress uniform up to this unauthorized, illicit, star chamber and testified against the commander in chief. As I say, the interesting thing is he didn't add anything to the record. We have the transcript of the call and, um, he didn't add anything to it, at least according to Swalwell, who you can bet that if he added a morsel to the, uh, conversation that Swalwell would have been, um, telling all about it. Lieutenant Colonel Vindman was the first witness who actually was on the call. According to CNN's reporting, he testified that the call transcript uh, that we've seen was mostly accurate. Um, can you say what he said was inaccurate about it? Or did he know, did he have other details about it? Uh, we did hear more details about the call record, but Anderson... We're going to accept the call record that the White House uh, put out, and that is damaging enough. Because if all the president did was ask the Ukrainian president to investigate his opponent, that would be a gross abuse of power. But he did more than that. He leveraged $391 million in taxpayer dollars over the Ukrainian president, as well as a White House meeting. So I, I don't think the White House call record is really in dispute. We see that as the president's confession. So they see it as the president's confession. This is, this is really something else. They're They're claiming that because Joe Biden is running uh, for presidency, uh, that he is immune to any examination of his his actions in the Ukraine and China and other places related to uh, bribes and, and kickbacks. So just try to get this straight in your mind. Joe Biden, former vice president, is credibly accused of taking millions of dollars in bribes and kickbacks for himself and his family. But the Democrats want to impeach Donald Trump for asking about it. <laughs> you know, all of this is, it goes back to this, uh, what was the predicate for an investigation? We have adequate predicate of an, uh, for an investigation. It's a video of Joe Biden bragging about getting the Ukrainian prosecutor fired who was investigating the son that was paying the the company that was paying his son millions of dollars because he was Joe Biden's son. 
that is uh, on its face a blatant conflict of interest and warrants an investigation of whether or not um, the the company Bersim, or Bersuma, <laughs> uh, this uh, Ukrainian gas company, Burisma, Burisma, um, whether or not they received anything in return. And now uh, that you've got an MP in the Ukrainian parliament actually saying that $900,000 from uh, Burisma actually went to Joe Biden. But uh, Lieutenant Colonel Vindman didn't like that at all. And so he, uh, he found it, uh, took it upon himself to go des- testify against the president really something to watch. You know, I've got a, a suggestion for Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman. If you believe that, uh, your opinions better serve the interests of the United States. If you believe that the United States ought to be given hundreds of millions of dollars to the Ukraine while turning a blind eye to any corruption that may have gone on under the previous administration, here's an idea. Why don't you run for office? Why don't you take that on the road? You know, there's, this is an election season. We're one year away. Go out there and see if you can sell that to the American people. So there was a, a big dust up. I, I just want to play you one more clip here. This is a, a representative from California, Raja, no, Illinois, Raja Krushumuth, Krushum, Krush, no, Muth. <laughs> Uh, acknowledging that uh, this is the first um, inside uh, the White House administration official to defy the president's orders and testify. Alexander Vindman, uh, he's the top Ukraine expert on the National Security Council. The Times has obtained his opening statement. Uh, I assume that means that you and your fellow members of the committee do expect him to testify tomorrow. Um, I certainly hope so. Um, And this would be uh, the first White House official um, who would actually be defying the White House's orders not to cooperate. And as you mentioned, he was also a party to the July 25th phone call, and he's the top Ukraine expert on the National Security Council. So his testimony is very important. So uh, he's defying the commander-in-chief. It's not necessary that he do that. He could could wait for this ruling from the court to determine whether or not these – these subpoenas are enforceable. They are not. They were never authorized. And they might get a you know an Obama judge to say so, but if if and when it actually played out, uh, we would find out that that is not the case. But uh, one of the big things that came out of well, we, we need to run out to a break, and then we'll talk about the um, the meltdown uh, that happened inside the chamber when the Republicans dared to ask Vindeman whether or not he was the source. For the whistleblower. Stick with us. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. 
Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. So reports came out of the Star Chamber yesterday that uh, the Republicans were asking Vindeman whether or not he was the source for the so-called whistleblower. And Adam Schiff refused to allow any questions along that line, even uh, denying them the opportunity to find out, uh, you know, whether or not he had leaked this information to the whistleblower, who we don't know his identity yet. He may have or may not have been authorized to to get this kind of information. Uh, clearly, what Schiff was doing is trying to protect the identity of this whistleblower, I believe, because... Uh, we will learn once we know his identity that he coordinated his uh, his whistleblower complaint with Adam Schiff and his staff and with this uh, resistance law firm funded by George Soros. So they're, they're desperate to keep the identity of the whistleblower uh, secret so that uh, he won't be on the witness list uh, if and when this uh, this this uh, impeachment charade goes to trial in the Senate. Here's what Swalwell had to say about it. I also want to ask you about this reporting today that Democrats accused Republicans of trying to out the whistleblower during Vindman's deposition, which uh, apparently, according to the reporting, led to you and your Republican colleague, Congressman Mark Meadows, getting into a heated exchange. Can you say what happened? I will say I got pretty fired up when I saw Republicans attempting to get the identity of the whistleblower after repeatedly being told uh, that that was not uh, appropriate and and hearing that the witness did not want to do that as he identified in his opening statement. We're going to protect the whistleblower outside the hearing. We're going to protect the whistleblower inside the hearing. Not appropriate, Swalwell says. The, The witness didn't want to identify the whistleblower, he says, as if the witness gets to decide what questions he answers and which questions he doesn't want to answer. Let's get one thing straight. The whistleblower statutes do not protect the identity of the whistleblower. They protect the whistleblower from retaliation for filing his whistleblower complaint. This whole um, effort to keep the identity of the whistleblower a secret is illicit and, uh, and contrary to the rules. The whistleblower's testimony can be tested and must be tested, and we need to know whether or not all of this was a coordinated campaign using or abusing this whistleblower process. Jim Jordan walked out of the hearing yesterday and had this to say about this topic. Most of you know that um, Chairman Schiff has prevented the witness from answering certain questions we have during the deposition. You know, one of the things you do in these depositions is you ask the basics. Who, what, when, where, why? You ask those questions. When we ask the whistleblower who he spoke to after important events in July, Adam Schiff says, no, 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 we're not going to let him answer that question. Even though at the start of every one of these depositions, and you all know this already, every one of the start of every single one, he says, this is not classified. He tells us that. The witness has their counsel there, their lawyer there. They don't need Adam Schiff being chairman and lawyer. But that's, in effect, what happened today. And he would not let the witness. And, and look, the Democrats run out here and say, oh, the Republicans are trying to figure out who the whistleblower is. We're trying to figure out who a witness Liz is. Uh, if you, the resolution that the speaker has just filed, at some point she points this out in the resolution, this is going to go to the Judiciary Committee if, in fact, they, they push it there. 
There will be witnesses called. We'd like to figure out who those witnesses should be so the American people can get the facts, get the truth, and we know who these individuals are. So that it, it, it seems interesting to me that chairmanship is so sensitive. I mean, pointed out last week, there are 435 members of Congress, one of them. One of them, only one of them, knows who the whistleblower is. More importantly, who the sources are for the whistleblower that were the basis of him filing this complaint. And somehow he doesn't want anyone else to know that. Him and him, Mr. Schiff and his staff are the only ones in America who can know. And there's evidence about his sensitivity. You saw it on display today when we tried to ask the witness certain questions and Mr. Schiff would not let him answer. What's the old saying? I think uh, thou protesteth too much. Obviously, Adam Schiff has got something to hide. Uh, we know that he lied initially about his uh, staff's contact with the whistleblower. We know that they referred the whistleblower to a law firm and that that law firm turned out to be uh, a Soros-funded resistance lawfare firm that has been uh, trying to cultivate whistleblowers since uh, since before Donald Trump took office in an effort to forward this impeachment Um jihad another aspect of this is uh, laura ingram um said something on fox news that uh, absolutely caused um the mainstream media to turn into uh, military advocates despite all of their history a lot of people are talking about this today, that we have foreign policy professionals, some who are active duty military, mm-hmm. serve their country proudly, uh, like Vindeman. But nevertheless, they might have different worldviews of the president on Ukraine or various issues. But in the New York Times piece yesterday, it stated that he had had conversations with Ukrainian officials who were trying to solicit his advice on how to work around Giuliani. And typically those conversations were in English. Mm-hmm. Now, what about that? I mean, th- I mean, there are statutes, 18 U.S.C. 794, that reference gathering or delivering defense information to foreign government. Um, could be implicated here, might not be implicated here, but that's kind of a wild thing, right? I mean, you're working with, I mean, you're supposed to be working with the commander in chief. Oh my God, that, uh, uh, that statement, that statement from Laura just prompted an absolute meltdown in the mainstream media. Oh, how dare anybody question the, uh, the motivations of a uniformed military officer. <laughs> here's a, here's ambassador Michael McFall over at MSNBC. You know, we live in a polarized society here at Stanford. We study the causes of polarization. I personally deal with it. I know you personally deal with it. Mm-hmm. I felt yesterday we reached a new low, however. Uh, when I saw, the, you know, what people were saying about dual loyalties, hyphenated adjectives, maybe he likes Ukraine more than the United States of America, and even one suggestion, insinuation of espionage because he talks to Ukrainian officials, that's in his job description, by the way, we're Working at the National Security Council, and I just found it completely outrageous. Well, they were uh, and you can- they were very um, offended that anybody would question a, a military officer. I do not recall any of these people springing to the defense of Michael Flynn, whose life was absolutely destroyed by the RussiaGate hoax. I don't recall any of them springing to the defense of Tulsi Gabbard when. Hillary Clinton accused her of being a Russian asset. They've got very selective standards. If the Democrats didn't have double standards, they wouldn't have any standards at all. 
we got to run out to a break. We pretty much exhausted this topic, and we're going to move on to the uh, the larger impeachment scam. They're going to hold a vote to authorize this, and we'll talk about that when we come back right after two messages. Stick with us right here on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. When the weather outside is frightful, the Hyundai Santa Fe is, hmm, what's the word, delightful. Because it's got available H-Track all-wheel drive to make being out together better. Enter for your chance to win the newly redesigned Santa Fe, packed with all the jingle bells and whistles you need to go dashing through the snow together. To enter, visit Amazon.com slash Hyundai or scan the QR code on specially marked red and green Amazon boxes. No purchase necessary. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. And you're back on Right Now with Jim Dawes on the Mojo Five O Radio Network. A daily journal of news, politics, and culture. From an American nationalist perspective. So do I think people in uniform ought to uh, be given uh, deference and uh, honor and treated uh, respectfully? I absolutely do. And uh, by all accounts, uh, this Lieutenant Colonel Vindeman is, uh, is deserving of all of that. Um, but it does not immunize him from questions about his motivations and, uh, and his story. Uh, yes, he has earned the benefit of the doubt. He's a Purple Heart recipient and uh, has served his country well in Iraq. Um, you call him sir, you give him the benefit of the doubt, and uh, you treat him with all of the respect and dignity that he deserves. It does not. I repeat, it does not preclude you from testing his testimony, uh, from finding out who he uh, communicated with with regard to these topics, why he was talking and uh, some sort of back channel uh, with Ukrainian officials on how to work their way around the administration's policies. Those were the issues that Laura Ingram brought up on her show and which prompted uh, the left-wing media to accuse her of being uh, disrespectful to a man in uniform. <laughs> of course, they never had anything to say about uh, you know the attacks on General Michael Flynn or Major Tulsi Gabbard. They were fine with that. But now that, uh, you know, somebody dare ask Vindeman why he's uh, disobeying a direct order from the commander-in-chief when it was not necessary for him to do so, 
then all of the sudden um, they become flag-waving patriots. I've got a clip here, and this will be the last uh, we, we talk about this particular topic on Vindman's testimony. This was Sean Duffy over there at CNN trying to raise these uh, reasonable questions and being accused of, uh, of attacking Vindman because he was, or in spite of, I guess, uh, he was uh, in the military uniform. I want to go back to the beginning here because it's been nagging at me the whole time here, which is that when I asked you about Colonel Vindman, the very first thing you said was he was Ukrainian. So, so yes or no, do you, do you trust Ambassador Bill Taylor more because he was born in the United States? Where does the location no. of his birth well, matter? Well, Mark Meadows, who well, I think I'm, you agree with, was born in France. Is, is he right. pro-French by definition? That's a pretty stunning comment well, you made I, just there. And it's remarkable so and notable given that Laura Ingram last night and in, in her apparent talking points brought it up as well. So I read his statement, John, and I'm sure you did as well. Um, and it seems very clear that he is incredibly concerned about Ukrainian defense. I don't know that he's concerned about American policy, but his main mission was to make sure that the Ukraine got those weapons. I understand that. We all have an affinity to our homeland where we came from. Like me, I'm sure that Vidman has the same affinity. Uh, or like Mark Meadows. I'm just sorry, France, are you suggesting that you would, you would put and Irish so, defense and, Irish defense over U.S. defense? Is that what you're saying, Congressman? So so are we saying are we saying that by giving this money to the Ukraine that absolutely is the money that's going to secure American national defense against Russia? I mean, I just I don't I don't believe that. And so he's entitled to his opinion. He has an affinity, I think, for the Ukraine. He speaks Ukrainian. He came from the country and he wants to make sure they're safe and free. I understand that. That's an asset but the for president this country. Is the, my point is asset. the president is the one who gets to set the policy. And he's the one who looks out for America first and the American taxpayer and the American citizens. I don't think it's illegitimate to ask whether or not um, Vindman's uh, birth and that of his brother in the Ukraine working on the National Security Council is shading his uh, view of this. And I think it's absolutely the case that uh, Vindman is not there to set foreign policy. He may believe that it's in America's national interest somehow advances our national security to, uh, to protect the Ukraine, that may be his uh, his heartfelt belief. He was not elected to make that decision. He, he was elected to follow the orders of his commander-in-chief, which he has uh, manifestly not done in this case. So this impeachment scam continues. This is going on for the fifth week that uh, Adam Schiff has been operating his uh, star chamber and poisoning the well of public opinion day after day. With these selective leaks, he'll bring forward these these uh, uh, witnesses, and then he'll put out uh, their statement that gets uh, allows them to tell uh, Schiff's side of the story because he, Schiff wouldn't be calling calling on them if they um, were not going to tell the Democrat side of the story, and the Republicans are not allowed to call witnesses. And then they go through eight, ten hours of testimony, of which Adam Schiff uh, cherry-picks some uh, selective quotes and leaks them out to the New York Times and the Washington Post, and they're off to the races. They've absolutely poisoned the well. Uh, they've done this on purpose. The whole idea is uh, that they want to drive down the president's poll numbers. It's one year to an election. 
an impeachment process has a devastating impact on uh, on the nation. It'll take about a year to try to get this uh, to try to uh, go through this impeachment process. Why wouldn't the Democrats just make their case to the American people and let the American people decide? I'll tell you why, because they don't have any good candidates and they don't have any good policies. So this is serving their political interests, and you're paying for it. You're paying for it both uh, through your tax dollars, and you're also paying for it because you're you're paying these Democrats to go to Washington to work for on behalf of the American people, and they're not doing it. They're working on behalf of the Democrat Party. They're using the committee process in the House of Representatives basically as their political uh, opposition research arm, and they're they're just doing a, a, a another Russiagate hoax. And so now, you know, um, this is starting to sink in into the American consciousness, and Nancy Pelosi has finally capitulated and uh, uh, agreed to hold a vote in the House of Representatives. But we've seen a draft of this resolution authorizing an impeachment uh, inquiry now, and it's not much better than the uh, the, the Star Chamber uh denial of due process that the Democrats have engaged in up until this point. It's a little better, only marginally, so that they can say, well, you know, they're doing something now. But it's still, the way it's structured, does not allow the Republicans to call witnesses. They have to have permission from the committee chair. Of course, they're all Democrats to call a witness. And if uh, if they don't agree with uh, the denial of the permission, they have to take it to a vote of the full committee, of course, which is majority Democrat. So this is a further effort to try to protect the identity of this whistleblower and uh, keep him from being asked any questions about whether or not he coordinated with Schiff or other uh, deep state operatives. This is what uh, Representative uh, Lee Zeldin, Republican of New York, had to say about um, Nancy's upcoming resolution right after yesterday's hearings. Chairman Schiff is saying that the ranking member can yield to a staffer, an unelected staffer, but cannot yield to an elected member of Congress to be able to ask questions in that initial 90 minutes. So as you read through this resolution, you're just seeing wasted opportunity after wasted opportunity. You don't see anything about an equal allocation of staffing either. So one thing after another of where transparency was lacking, of where credibility was lacking, of where fairness was lacking. This process, which was illegitimate yesterday, which is illegitimate today, apparently is going to be just as illegitimate come Thursday when they have this vote. And I would not be surprised if we start seeing House Democrats starting to say that they may vote against this resolution. They're probably hearing it from people back home, especially those House Democrats and districts that voted for President Trump. I'm sure that they're hearing a lot from people back home frustrated by the process. And I would love to be able to have a debate about the substance because I'll tell you what, having been behind those closed doors in this bunker in the Capitol basement where Adam Schiff keeps so much secret from all of you, except for what he wants to leak, as we saw Sunday morning on the news shows, 
Our constituents have been in the dark. But I'll tell you, there hasn't been anything behind those closed doors that you can impeach the President of the United States for. I'd be asking myself this. If last night an opening statement gets released, that's going to take a few minutes to read, inquiring minds should want to know, well, what about the eight, nine, ten hours that followed? Time and again, you get copies of an opening statement. Well, what did Bill Taylor say for the following eight, nine, ten hours? What did he say about that fourth-hand information that he talks about, that only substantive reference to Joe Biden on page 12? So on the process and on the substance, this was illegitimate yesterday, it's illegitimate today, and it's going to be illegitimate tomorrow. And I'll tell you what, we're watching Democrats losing their minds behind closed doors today. There have been some bad moments over the course of all of these depositions where they have interjected to try to prevent Republicans from being able to ask important substantive questions. But they are, their heads are exploding behind closed doors right now, preventing time after time after time, question after question after question after question, to allow Republicans to be able to ask the questions because, God forbid, we might stumble upon the other 99% of this story. This resolution should go down in flames. It should go down in flames. I, I don't think it will. I think that Nancy Pelosi has the votes. Otherwise, she wouldn't uh, take this to the floor. But uh, Zeldin mentioned there that uh, he's going to see some Democrats vote against it. Uh, he, he hopes to. And already, uh, some are stepping forward and saying that they can't support this. Uh, Representative Jeff Van Drew, a Democrat from New Jersey, announced yesterday that uh, he's going to vote against this resolution. He is one of these Democrats that were elected from a district where Donald Trump carried the day. And he doesn't want to uh, fall on his sword for this, uh, for Nancy Pelosi's impeachment jihad. But um, Denny Hoyer, he's the House Majority Whip. He says he's got... uh, uh, the votes, otherwise he is not going to go forward. He says, uh, we, we're going to have to consider whether or not it's ready to go on Thursday. I hope that's the case. So if Hoyer, old Stenny, is uh, wondering whether or not they're going to go forward, maybe they, they've got more defections than, uh, than we even realize. we got to run out to a break. When we come back, We're going to talk uh, a little bit more about this uh, and what you can do to try to get the Senate to get off their butts and uh, and let the House know that they're not going to take up some illegitimate, unauthorized impeachment effort. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. Oh, 
I know this uh, impeachment inquiry is going on in the House uh, from where you sit across the rotunda. What do you make of what's going on over there? Marco Rubio. Not a lot. I think a lot of it is politics, obviously. Look, you have a... So here, they're calling people in every day to testify. Before they even testify, they make sure the press gets their written statement. And then afterwards, they leak out snippets of what was said. You don't get to hear the cross-examination. So it really strikes me as a political exercise, almost like an opposition dump. Every single day, they're just leaking out damaging information into the public narrative uh, without any of the counter-narrative. But all that will have to come to an end at some point. And what we shouldn't forget is two things. Impeachment's a really big deal. Like, removing the president of the United States is not just an extraordinary measure. It's really bad for the country. It's traumatic. And number two is, you got, I don't know what the percentage is, but a significant number of members of the House that that have been looking to impeach this president, some of them before he was even sworn in. So you start to lose some credibility when you made up your mind about this back in November of 2016 because you didn't like the result of the election. Yeah. Well, Lindsey Graham's resolution in the Senate uh, to uh, basically condemn the effort in the House and tell them that uh, they're wasting their time has uh, has got 50 co-sponsors. That leaves three Republicans that have refused to f- sign on. They are, unsurprisingly, old uh, Pierre Delecto himself, Mitt Romney, along with um, Susan Collins of Maine and uh, and the senator from Alaska, Murkowski. Um, so if, uh, if they send it over there to the Senate, um, and the vice president weighs in, they, they could, uh, despite what Mitch McConnell has already said about going forward with a trial, a uh, vote right away just to dismiss it out of hand because the way this has been conducted is, uh, is tainted. The process It's fruit from the poison tree. It does not deserve a trial at this point. And uh, Tom Fenton, um, head of Judicial Watch, was uh, was out with a video yesterday saying, uh, telling voters what they should do with regard to the Senate. This type of activity has never taken place before in terms of a legitimate impeachment, impeachment inquiry. Typically, the president's able to have lawyers present. Other witnesses can come in uh, that the president can bring in. Uh, it's kind of like a full, almost judicial process. Here you have a coup which relies on secrecy, speed, uh, rolling over the civil rights of those it's targeting, namely the President of the United States, and, of course, fundamental corrupt acts. And what's the fundamental corrupt act uh, among many behind this impeachment inquiry? It's the illicit communication between the uh, leaker of the Ukraine uh, phone call and Adam Schiff. Uh, that communication was contrary to law, and Schiff lied about it. Yet this corruptly formed, corruptly pursued inquiry uh, continues to be given credibility by the anti-Trump media, and frankly, the United States Senate, which has offered, uh, at least through Mitch McConnell, uh, the information that, yes, there will be a trial if there's an impeachment sent over, no matter how corrupt it is. That can't be the case. And I would suggest that you call your senators and you tell them, if you agree with me, and of course if you don't agree, you call them too, uh, at 202-224-3121. That's 202-224-3121. And my view is, shut it down. There doesn't have to be a trial. They can dismiss it out of hand, and they should be telling the House right now that they are not going to buy into an abusive coup attack on President Trump. 
Well, uh, they are uh, telling the House just that with Lindsey Graham's uh, resolution. If if Mitch McConnell allows it to get a vote, he's signed on as a co-sponsor, so you would think that he would have to. Uh, and if uh, if the three holdouts led by Pierre Delecto himself continue to hold out, then the vice president will have to weigh in to break the tie. But that should most certainly go forward at this point. Well, uh, we had a poll yesterday uh, that uh, is confirming our darkest fears and that that's uh, the next generation of Americans that will uh, will inherit this great experiment in Republic, uh, Republican democracy. Um, are all in on socialism. 70% of millennials now say that they will vote for a socialist. And a goodly number, approaching 50%, say they would vote for a communist. Actually, I think it was about 35% say they would vote for a communist. And if this is not a wake-up call to um, our elected officials to reform our education system, I don't know what it would take. We have failed these young people. We failed to educate them on the, the history of their country. We failed to educate them on the brilliance of the founders in setting up our democracy by taking civics out of the curriculum. And instead of uh, educating them on the history of this great nation, we have basically uh, educated them that uh, our history is one of oppression and racism and, and uh, uh, patriarchy, and it all needs, all needs to be torn down. They've used our history to turn this next generation against our country that's been responsible for the most advances in human freedom and human rights and human dignity of any other country in the history of the world. And they bought into this siren song of socialism being sang by Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren and uh, the squad there was a there was a, a video uh, going around social media yesterday with uh, Bernie Sanders standing with uh, Rashid Talib talking about the uh, the operation in uh, Syria where they got Baghdadi and uh, the the uh, the striking thing about this video is Sanders and Talib were standing in front of empty grocery shelves. <laughs> so the two or two of the highest profile representatives of democratic socialism, which is just a kind word for communism, are making their case to you on a topic of political importance while standing in front of empty grocery shelves and is apparently being totally uh, clueless about the irony of it all that uh, that that image ought to be placed on billboards to advance uh, this campaign that the Republican National Committee under Rona McDaniel is lo- uh, rolling out uh, they're calling it victims of socialism you can uh, go online at victimsofsocialism.org and see a bunch of videos that they have prepared talking directly to uh, some of the people that uh, have lived under socialism and trying to warn the American people and especially the millennials against uh, going down this road. This is a, this is a clip from one of those videos. 
There's stone throwing and water cannon. Rallies which began peacefully have once again degenerated into violence in Venezuela. According to activists, at least one person died and scores were injured. You need to protect your country. The, the American people need to protect the United States uh, uh, from the, the socialist policy. It's crazy. It's incredible with the socialists um, take you your you liberty and offer um, on little candy. It's all free. Free tuition at public colleges. Raise your hand if, gover- if your government plan would provide coverage for undocumented immigrants. Free tuition and fees. All people get it regardless of their income. It is publicly funded. The, the strategy is all free. As if you uh, all free, you offer your liberty, okay? The socialist person, the socialist people, they are very good as a poet, and they are very good in oratory. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for fighting for our lives, and thank you for fighting for the generations to come, because we are not going to give up. But they never have created anything in their life. Of course, we made a, a terrible mistake. You know, we, we didn't listen. Many people warned us and said, you know, you need to stop this and you do not need to go for this. And unfortunately, we make the error to say that's not going to happen in Venezuela. There's one thing that we always say is these socialist promoters, they should go there and see the reality of what's going on. This is how Venezuelans spend most of their time now, in line not for luxuries, but basics. We are hungry, we have needs, we have no food. Look at this line. They focus on how to maintain in the power. And if we have to maintain the power, we have to control everybody. You know, you you wonder how many times... uh, the next generation needs to watch this movie before they realize that socialism invariably ends in in a lack of basic goods and services that a free market economy delivers in abundance. You see these people waiting in lines to try to get uh, bread and milk, waiting all day long because they've removed market forces from the economy that, that uh, have been proven so wildly successful. There's a clip uh, or a video online uh, produced by Prager University called Self- Selfishness that you need to go view that talks about uh, that very topic. But we're running out of time, and I want to talk a little bit about the California blackouts. More than a dozen fires are burning out there, um, the biggest of which is called the Kincaid Fire that's burning um, about 85 square miles in Sonoma Wine Country. And... Uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, which provides uh, electricity, is uh, is now blacking out huge swaths of the uh, the state. Two point five million people are now without power. Returning to California uh, to the uh, totally predictable state that you would expect under uh, Marxist Democrat leadership, a third world nation. Here's a short clip of what's going on out there. 
Officials say power lines may have started two fires in the Bay Area, despite the widespread blackouts intended to prevent just that. And now PG&E has announced a new round of blackouts today, with 600,000 customers set to lose power in dozens of Northern California counties. The governor voicing his frustration overnight, saying a major investigation will now look into the power shutoff process. This cannot be the new normal. Uh, we cannot absorb this year after year. Uh, we have experienced uh, 10 of the worst fire seasons in California's history just since 2015. So utilities are the most highly regulated uh, um, service in any particular state. They're heavily regulated. And what's going on out in California is the Democrats have regulated PG&E and made them spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on solar and wind power. And instead of um, insisting that PG&E upgrade its existing uh, electrical distribution grid they've uh, they've gone all in on their cultural marxist priorities democrats have controlled the california legislature for decades now there was a time when uh, they elected uh, schwarzenegger as a republican governor but he was a republican in name only a rhino and he uh, he governed the state very uh, very much in a a socially uh, liberal sort of leftist mode and allowed all of this to go forward. And they have steadfastly refused to, uh, to continue um, to manage the forests. They prevented logging and forest management. They prevented PG and E from um, having the resources to upgrade its existing power system. And now they want to turn around and blame it on PG&E, which basically is a uh, utility that does what the government tells them to do. Hopefully, uh, this will cause a backlash and uh, Californians will start to come to their senses. I really don't believe that will happen, but it would be nice. Well, the Nationals uh, won a game last night, forcing a seventh game in the World Series, and uh, we'll see how that goes. I want to thank you for joining us and invite you back here again tomorrow for another edition of Right Now on the Mojo 5.0 Radio Network. We'll talk to you then. I've been working at Santa's Workshop for a long time and thought I'd seen it all. That was until I learned that when you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can save hundreds on your wireless bill. When you add Xfinity Mobile to Xfinity Internet, you can get a powerful Internet experience and nationwide coverage on the most reliable network. Choose the data option that's right for you. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Xfinity Mobile requires Xfinity Internet. Based on root metrics by IHS Markets Root Score Reports 2H2020 of four mobile networks. Santa's dropping off way more than you expected this year. Thanks to Xfinity, the whole family can enjoy great coverage and fast, reliable Internet speed up to gig, all at a great value. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed.